episode of the Growing Woman podcast. My name is Christina Singh, and this show is all about amplifying women's voices and stories. And I am so thrilled to be bringing you another solo episode today that is talking about my postpartum experience during COVID-19. I'll be talking about my postpartum experience in general, and then the layers of COVID-19 on top of all of this. Um, And I do want to mention a few things at the top of the show. I will be talking about postpartum anxiety and depression. um, And I will be really getting real with you all today because I think that it is super important to be transparent about everything that happens in the postpartum period. I truly believe that we are failing people around the world by not talking about all of the things that uh, people who give birth go through during um, pregnancy, during birth, and in the postpartum period. So I think it is really important to detail those things today in the show um, based on my experience. I'd also like to mention... I am not a health professional, so there are probably some things that I will get wrong during the show or may not be, you know, the correct verbiage or uh, maybe different from, you know, a professional's experience or advice. Um, But I am just sharing what I've been through, my experience, and how I uh, experienced my postpartum period. And whatever you've been through, I would love to hear from you if you would like to share. Um, And I know that our experiences are probably very different and that is great and so I think it is really important for people to just talk about their pregnancy birth and postpartum experiences in general Uh, I'd also like to clarify um, something from a prior episode around birth Um, I had a lovely friend reach out to me um, who had listened to the episode and she was like Christina all birth is natural you had an unmedicated birth versus you had a medicated birth versus an unmedicated birth Uh, and so she is 100% correct all birth is natural Um, I was saying in my episode I kept saying I didn't have a natural birth but I did And so did you if you gave birth, no matter what. And I want to clarify that I had a medicated birth. I did not have an unmedicated birth. So that was something I just wanted to make sure to clarify at the top of the show. Um, And so let's dive into the postpartum period. Uh, I honestly feel like this might be a two-parter, but we'll see. You know, we'll see how this goes. Uh, There's just so much information and I know I'm going to forget things. Um, My son Liam was born in September of 2020. He is six months old today, which is absolutely bonkers and crazy. And for those of you who have not listened to this show before, I got pregnant in 2019, really at the tail end of 2019, before COVID, you know, came to the U.S. and before we all went into lockdown. So I had no idea what was to come. Obviously, none of us did, but definitely during pregnancy, I just had no idea that we would be entering into this situation. So my experience um, honestly was really traumatic and it was really hard and nothing what I ever thought it would be. So I did not have any family around during my pregnancy. Um, I did have family around during my pregnancy um, in the first 
trimester. Um, but throughout the rest of it, I did not. And I maintained social distancing practices uh, to an incredible extent during my pregnancy. Um, but you can go into prior episodes if you'd like to learn more about that. Today, I want to talk about postpartum. So I literally want to start from after I gave birth because I think we do not talk about this enough. We do not detail what really goes into, you know, what happens after you give birth. What do you feel like and what do you look like and what kind of care do you receive? So for me, um, there were varying levels that went into this. So I gave birth and in my prior episode, that was a solo episode around my birth, I detailed that I had a second degree tear on my perineum. Um, So yes, I am getting that real in this episode. I had a second degree tear and so I had stitches. Um, I also had an epidural. So after I gave birth, they kept me in the birthing room with my husband and my new son. And after I would say a few hours um, of just being together, they transitioned us to our recovery room, essentially. I was sharing a room with another person, um, a woman who had given birth to twins, who's a hero. And literally don't know how people do that, but you're amazing if you have. And so I was put in a wheelchair and wheeled over to the recovery room. Um, My legs were still pretty numb, especially on the right side. I detailed in my last episode that my right leg had gone completely numb, non-functioning. It was really wild. Um, So I was still pretty numb from that. And I will say over the next week or so, I was still feeling, you know, tingliness. Um, I had swelling in my leg, which we'll get into later. Um, And it was just, uh, you know, it's an intense experience um, no matter what. So to get an epidural, I mean. Um, And so I was put in a hospital bed. There was not a bed available for my husband, but he was allowed to stay with me, which was wonderful. And um, obviously to stay with our son as well. Um, And he slept in a chair. Um, We brought a bunch of stuff with us to the hospital and we used none of it. Like maybe you will use some of the things that you bring to the hospital. I literally used my going home outfit Um, I didn't use my deodorant. Maybe that's gross. I didn't brush my teeth. Like, I didn't use anything. And I know that might be gross, but it was literally, like, I just had no ability to really think of anything else except for my son and for, and of, you know, my body in that moment. And... I was in a hospital gown the majority of the time. I really did not change into another outfit until I went home. So I was in hospital gowns um, and what they give you in the hospital when you have given birth um, vaginally, I am not sure what they give you after a C-section because I didn't have a C-section. So I would love to talk to people who have because I'd love to learn about what that process looks like. But for a vaginal delivery, they give you um, kind of what oh, by the way, I live in Brooklyn, so you're going to hear like things in the background. Um, and I don't have like a studio. I'm just in my office. Um, so 
what they give you, and you've kind of heard um, Ali Wong make jokes about this, and other people talk about it, are these postpartum underwear. And they're these like stretchy, huge underwear that are just like amazing, and they're disposable. And so they gave me that, and they gave me these really large pads. And so what the nurse did for me is she put the postpartum underwear, um, they put it on me initially, like when I was still in the birthing room. And then they, they, what they did is they put the larger pad down first and then they put two smaller pads on either side. So that is what I had placed on my postpartum underwear. I was told I cannot wipe um, my vagina after I go to the bathroom. Um, I have to use a what's called a peri bottle or a spray bottle. So they gave you they gave me a peri bottle um, in the hospital, and that laughing was my best friend um, because what you are told by your OBGYN when you are giving birth is that it will be six weeks of recovery. That is a joke <laughs> for me. Absolutely not. Uh, six months later, I am still feeling things in my body. Things are still shifting. You know, it, yes, after six weeks, I started to feel like I wasn't, I didn't have a gaping wound in my body. But after six weeks, you are still, it, like, I, I don't know how people have sex after six weeks uh, after giving birth, just to put it out there. I like literally don't understand that. But if you did, cool, great, awesome, go you. Um, I did not. So <laughs> I think it's important to share that because it does take a lot of time for your body to heal. Your organs shifted around. You pushed a human out of your body or you had surgery um, and had a baby, you know, literally they cut into your body and removed a baby from your body. So I think it's really important to mention that in my experience, it is not a six week recovery in your back. (laughs) And um, I think that's really important to mention. Um, Something that just to go back to immediate postpartum care, Like I mentioned, I had those glorious disposable underwear pads Um, the first time. And I'm sorry if I get emotional because this is a very emotional topic. Um, The first time I had to put on my postpartum underwear um, by myself uh, was really hard because basically I did it in the recovery, like in the birthing room, they put stuff on me, but in then in like the recovery room, I was basically given this stuff and they were like, okay, go ahead. Um, and I was given dermaplast, um, which is a spray that is supposed to minimize, um, itching and pain. Uh, and that stuff was amazing for me too. So the first time I put on the underwear and the postpartum pads, it was really traumatizing. Um, I had blood dripping down my legs, I was shaking. Um, I had had an epidural, so it was like the first time I was really walking around and standing again. My pelvis, um, you know, had was in, in incredible pain. Um, I was given pain medication, um, but you know, you're still you're, you're feeling uncomfortable. I have stitches, so lifting my legs up to even get into underwear was so challenging, and my husband was taking care of our son, you know, like he's holding our son and trying to take care of him. So I was really trying to manage this on my own. 
Um, maybe you had somebody else helping you with that. I did it by myself and it was really, really scary. And I just remember like blood dripping on the floor and in the toilet and just feeling like, oh my God, um, what happened to me? What happened to my body? This doesn't feel like my body. And that was really frightening. And um, I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just saying this is something millions of women have and people who give birth have had to go through and have done. And if this is the first time you're hearing about this, I truly feel like that is insane. Like we have to talk about the postpartum period because I didn't know about this until I went through it. And I had to learn how to walk again. I literally, you know, had to learn how to walk from a bed to the bathroom and lift my leg up to put on underwear. And I was afraid to take a shower. I remember the second day I was in the hospital, I got into the shower and I was terrified. And that was a really scary process for me because, you know, I basically felt like I was ripped apart and I had to wash myself um, and I just let water flow over me. But still, even then, you don't know what really has happened to your body in a sense. Um, it, it really feels like an out-of-body experience at times. Um, but I will say having the things that they gave me in the hospital, those were super helpful. Um, the underwear, the pads, everything. Um, the peri bottle, the dermaplast, and medication. I also was given a stool softener. Um, so if you ha- if you are having a child and you get into your recovery room, make sure you request a stool softener as soon as you can. One thing that was really terrifying for me and I kept thinking of was like the first time I was going to poop, <laughs> just to be super honest. I was terrified of pooping for the first time after giving birth. And that, you know, the process of giving birth when you're pushing, they tell you to push as if you were pushing out a bowel movement, as if you were pooping. So that function in my body, you know, I was very scared of that because I tore and I had stitches and I was in pain. So I did not poop in the hospital just to let you know, I pooped at home. Um, and I still, uh, I still kept taking stool softener after I was home. Um, we made sure to buy some and we made sure to like, they, they told us to do that. And, um, while I was in the hospital though, I did also have stool softener and I made sure to request it and (laughs) make sure I was on a schedule for that. Um, because I was really scared of it. Um, that's enough poop talk for now, but, (laughs) um, I want to share, uh, what it was like in the hospital having new baby. So I totally thought I was going to be that person who just had their kid with them the whole time while I was in recovery. Um, and my husband and I both thought that we're like, they offered to take Liam to the nursery and we were like, no, we want him near us. No, thank you. Um, but given everything that my body had been through, I said around like 11 PM, I was like, okay, yes, (laughs) like you can take him to the nursery and he wasn't crying or anything. He was just sleeping. Um, but something you need to know is when you have a baby, 
you are now on the clock, round the clock for feeding that baby. So something that really is so important is like, like that I felt like I was unprepared for was when you have a child, your child is going to need food. Um, their stomachs are so small. So within the first 24 hours, it really is okay. It, they're not going to be eating a lot anyway. Um, but in order to produce breast milk, um, which you don't produce right away, you produce colostrum right away, which is a really thick protein fat heavy substance in your breasts and it looks yellow. But in order to get that going, you have to have your baby latch. You need to stimulate your nipples and stimulate that production. Um, so that was something I just didn't realize. There's so much going on around you that you're also, you need to think about, oh, I need to feed my baby and get my baby on my breast every hour or two hours, depending on how they're doing. Um, so in the hospital, the nurses are keeping track of, okay, the baby was fed this much when, how much did he have at this point? How much, you know, did he pee? Did he have his first bowel movement, which is called meconium? And it's like a tar black substance. It looks wild. Um, so that is going on. You know, when you give birth to a baby, you give birth to a baby. You have to then take care of that baby. And you know, when that baby arrives, you're now responsible for that human. And it is round the clock care from the moment that that child comes out of you. And that is something I feel like I was woefully unprepared for. It sounds so simple. And I know now like, oh yeah, duh. Um, and maybe you're listening to this and you're like, duh, Christina. But for me, I just like, I just was not prepared for that in in the way that it was all happening around me. So at one point the, you know, the nurses did offer to take him to the nursery and just take care of him for a while. And I said, yes. And my husband and I were like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll sleep. Um, because I do think that I needed to rest and it was really important for me to get some sleep. And when I could, um, if you choose not to do that, go you great for you. Um, I made that decision and I don't think people should be shamed into making that decision. My baby was fed formula um, as well and I am fine with that. And if you're not okay with that, good for you. That is your decision. Um, that was not my decision. And uh, in that moment, I felt like it was the best thing I could do for my son. And it was. So after um, my son Liam was born. We were taking care of him. Um, it was just a lot. Like we, you know, obviously let people know he was born. Um, we were holding him, trying to, you know, he had feeding him regularly, keeping track of his um, meals and bowel movements or times he was going to the bathroom. And meanwhile, I'm sharing a room with somebody else. So, you know, during COVID. So that was something that was hard. Uh, we also had no family here, so no one could come visit us at the hospital. Uh, and no one was here other than my brother, uh, who lives in New York city and, but he was taking care of our home, uh, while we were out taking care of our cat and our home and everything, but no one, you know, was here to come to the hospital to meet Liam. And that was something that still makes me really emotional because that was something I never, ever imagined in my life. I never thought that I would give birth to a child and my family would not be there in the hospital 
to hold him or greet him or love him when shower him with kisses and be there for what, you know, Nils and I might need. And that just was not our reality. And I know that's the case for so many people. My family, um, the only person who has met Liam in my family is my brother and he is six months old. So this, I can say wholeheartedly that I hate this pandemic. I hate this pandemic so much. And my postpartum period was incredibly impacted by COVID-19. And I think so many people uh, around the world um, who have given birth and who have brought children into this world, who have children, um, everyone I, you know, I gather to say has been impacted by this pandemic. I do want to say, though, like my experience of bringing a child into this world is completely shaped by this pandemic uh, because I went into motherhood uh, with just my partner and my child. <laughs> and so um, that is something I was never expecting. So after about two days, um, they did run blood tests on Liam. They, you know, we set up his birth certificate, which you need to do in the hospital. Um, and we, as new uh, green idiot parents, <laughs> did not know that Liam would need to go to a pediatrician right away. So we did not have a pediatrician for our son. Um, and for those of you out there who might be like, you're an idiot, Christina, what are you even saying? Um, I know, I just didn't know that, that he would need to go literally two days after he was born to the pediatrician um, and the first week and then the first two weeks and then four weeks. Like, So if you are expecting, find a pediatrician for your child sooner rather than later. Make sure that pediatrician is nearby because you're going to be going to them frequently. Uh, again, I detailed this in my last episode, but I was not around children growing up. Like I didn't know um, that these all of these factors went into raising a child. I had just never experienced that. And so I'm sharing a moment of vulnerability for me <laughs> that I was not knowledgeable about this and I really wish I would have uh you know, researched more around uh, this postpartum period and what it means to have a newborn and their care and like like what you need to be doing. And I also wish my provider would have told me that too, would have maybe had some sort of checklist like, okay, do you have a pediatrician lined up? Uh, do you have friends and family or like, how can we set you up with care? I really feel like that is something that is so needed um, I, in postpartum care and in maternal care just to make sure there is a community around uh, people who are giving birth right after they give birth. So that is something that I'm willing to share. Obviously, I'm willing to share a lot, but we didn't have a pediatrician for Liam. So we were also trying to set up a pediatrician for him in the hospital as well, which was really stressful. One big highlight of my uh, hospital stay is that I got to eat carbs again. So I had gestational diabetes and literally I pushed my son out and I was like, give me some French toast. And so I ordered French toast from the hospital. And let me tell you, it was probably so shitty, but it was the most amazing French toast I've ever had in my life. And it was incredible. It was divine. So that was exciting that I got to eat carbs. And honestly, on the way home from the hospital, we stopped at McDonald's and I got like 
so much junk. It was incredible. I was like, give me the burgers. So that was awesome that we did that and that I got to do that. It was wonderful. Um, so I want to detail what goes into coming home from the hospital. So they um, really wanted to make sure I was good. Baby was good. Um, I honestly feel like my care was really straightforward. Um, I had stitches, so they checked my stitches. Um, I had nurses come in and show us how to swaddle. Something that I want to make sure that you guys know is you are equipped with a smartphone. Use it. So take video of the nurses swaddling your baby. Take video of how they're feeding your baby or how you're breastfeeding and how you're latching. If you have a lactation consultant come in, honestly, do that. Like request a lactation consultant. Um, because Liam, when he was first born was not latching very well. He was like really sleepy and he wasn't latching. And then I had a lactation consultant come in, uh, and teach me a bit more about how to breastfeed him. And he was like a different baby. It was amazing. And so Angela was incredible. And I highly recommend having a lactation consultant come in and talk to you about how to breastfeed your child take video. You have a smartphone, write down notes, take video. Um, you're going to be given like pamphlets and like books and care plans and things like that. But honestly, in the moment, you're probably not going to remember. And my biggest advice is to take photos and videos of your care providers teaching you things. Um, because that was really, really helpful for us when we were taking care of Liam in those first few days. Uh, something else to note is that you're going to be told to breastfeed your child. At least I was around the clock. And that's not a lie. For Liam, he uh, he was a bit jaundiced when he was born and his bilirubin count was a bit higher. Um, my advice to you, if your child's bilirubin count is higher, they need to test that child and make sure that there's a follow-up plan immediately like the next day or the day after for your child because for us not having a follow-up plan led to an emergency room visit and a hospital stay for Liam which I will get into in a bit um and that was something I didn't know you know they really should not have let us go home without making sure his Billy Rubin count was good and we had a care plan for him so that's something that I think is really important to note. Um, and when you are leaving for the hospital, they're going to give you tons of like discharge paperwork. They're going to give you tons of information. They're going to have you watch videos on how to care for your vagina um, or your C-section scar after you give birth. Uh, and I think it's just very important to ask questions um, and record answers if you can. And I also think... You know, obviously, I feel like don't illegally record people. Let them know you're going to be recording them um, just to have that in your memory. Um, and also ask for extra supplies. So I asked for more disposable underwear. I asked for more pads. I asked for a sits bath. You're not annoying. You're literally paying for all of those things. Uh, I asked for all of these postpartum materials. And it was really important that I had those things because, you know, I asked for extra dermoplast, like all of these things, because number one, again, you're paying for them. And also you are not going to necessarily know what works for you until you try that. 
that is something that's really, really important to note. Um, and I feel like I'm definitely going to have to do a two-parter on this because I'm literally not even out of the hospital and we're almost at a half an hour right now. So I, I asked for everything when we were leaving um, and I was allowed to take Motrin and Tylenol. I'm personally, uh, I had an allergy listed because I'm allergic to expired codeine. And so they did not want to give me anything stronger for my pain because of that past allergy. Um, so I personally couldn't have anything stronger, but if you want to get stronger pain medication, do you, that's great. Um, and make sure you ask them about any sort of effects that might have through breastfeeding or any sort of, um, you know, things like that. So, uh, once you're discharged, uh, you, for our experience, um, we have a car in New York city. So we were able to go downstairs. Um, and I walked, my husband, um, held my son in his car seat. You're not allowed to legally leave the hospital without a car seat. And we brought way too much stuff to the hospital with us. So we left with two like huge bags, pillows, all this crap that we did not need. Honestly, just bring a basic overnight bag and you're good to go. I didn't use my breast friend. I didn't use like, I didn't use anything. <laughs> it's just wild how much we brought and how little we used. And, uh, I think, you know, you need chargers and, maybe headphones. I don't know. <laughs> like, you're not, I, for us, we just weren't even thinking about that. So we were brought down to the lobby. Um, my husband went to go get our car. Obviously we were wearing masks the whole time. We're being very COVID safe. Um, and we had our new baby and, um, they taught us how to put him in the car seat. So that's really important. Like if you don't know how to put your child into a car seat, they're going, you know, either they're going to teach you or you need to request like, okay, how, how do I make sure to do this? And for my hospital, they went through a checklist of like, okay, here's, um, this looks good. This looks good. This looks good when it comes, when it came to his car seat. So that was really helpful for us to learn and to know, and just like make sure we were prepared because we thought we knew, and then we were doing it and we were like, oh, okay, this is a bit more detailed. Also, um, in bringing him home from the hospital, um, I sat in the back seat with him, uh, with my son and my husband drove. And so that is something I believe they recommend, uh, when you're bringing a baby home, <laughs> uh, we didn't, um, I personally didn't want to sit in the front seat at all anyway. Um, but that was something that they told us to do when we were driving home. Um, so before we, before we checked out and everything, um, they also had tracking, uh, anklet, like an ankle monitor on him and like tracking stuff. So, uh, every single time we were at, um, met with a care provider, they would ask us like to read off the numbers on our bracelets and Liam had an ankle monitor on him. And so everything was like very well surveillance, I guess I would say. Um, there was a lot of security around making sure he was okay. I obviously did give birth to my son in the hospital, so I do not know what this process looks like if you are giving birth um, maybe in a midwifery uh, practice or somewhere else in a birthing, um, you know, 
practice associated with another provider, I, I really don't know what that would look like. So make sure maybe, you know, ask people these questions, you know, around security or like around, you know, their process of discharging and things like that. Uh, if you're curious, because I, I obviously don't know what that process looks like. Um, so we went home and obviously the only person in my family, like I mentioned before, who was there to greet us at home was my brother. And so my brother got to meet my son, which was really special and really wonderful. And especially because he's named after him in uh, his name. And so that was really wonderful and such a great moment but then my brother went home and then it was just us and our baby which is honestly wonderful and terrifying uh and we had to learn how to swaddle him again and we kept replaying the videos of how to swaddle him uh and the thing that you need to know is you have to keep feeding your baby <laughs> and we were obviously feeding our baby and changing him and keeping track of things but keeping you will need to keep track of how often your baby eats how often they they poop how often they pee you know when you go to the pediatrician you're going to need to answer those questions and they're going to want to know how many poopy diapers has he had? How many wet diapers? When, you know, how often is he eating? How often is he sleeping? And for those of you who don't know, uh, your baby will need to eat every two hours. When, and this is just my experience. Um, we were told that our child will need to eat every two hours and to not wake him up or to, to wake him up for the first you know, few weeks of his life, wake him up every two hours to eat. If you have been told something differently, great like that was our experience but from my understanding uh a newborn baby will need to eat every two hours um and essentially you're feeding and changing your baby and burping you know burping them changing them all those things and putting them to sleep um and so it's kind of that process just over and over and over again um Something to note is I was breastfeeding and we were supplementing with formula as well. Um, but we, I wish I would have been told that an average breastfeeding session should be a half an hour because what we ended up doing, I mean, we were both sleeping in the living room because our bed is a little higher and Liam was in his bassinet in the living room. And what we were doing was essentially we were setting a timer on our phones for every two hours and we would wake up and feed, put Liam on my breast and see how long he would breastfeed and alternate which breast he was eating from. The hard part is you don't know how much your baby is eating in that moment. And also Liam wasn't latching consistently so he would start sucking but then stop so I would need to stimulate him essentially like blowing air on his face or like tickling his toes and things like that to ensure that he could keep suckling and keep eating and that process would take you know about like a half an hour and then afterward we would give him some formula um, but what we didn't realize is that he wasn't getting enough food um, in that process because the whole process really took about an hour and 30 minutes 
and just to feed him and take care of him. And so what we didn't realize was like his body was already metabolizing all of that. Um, and he was hungry over and over again. He really wasn't getting satiated throughout. And so what this led to uh, during his really his third night, like the first night we came home, um, he had a huge um, crying fit. And it was this is why my postpartum period was really traumatic um, for me, because he was crying like nothing I had ever heard. And as parents, you're biologically programmed to respond to your child's cries. And for me, and for uh, my husband, we we'd never, you know, taking care of a newborn. And so we had no idea what this meant. We were feeding him, um, but we were told, okay, every two hours. So we just didn't know like, oh, just keep feeding him, you know, like just make sure you just keep feeding him. Like, oh, like if he's crying this much, it's either going to be because he's hungry, he's gassy, he has to poop or he's tired. And no one really went over that with us. And so we didn't realize if he's crying, like as much as he was crying, um, he might need one of those things. And we, we were feeding him, but it just was not enough. Um, really to what he needed and and to, you know, what was going on with him. And what we found out was that his bilirubin count was really, really high. And so to backtrack a bit, Liam had a really horrible night where he was literally up for six hours, screaming his head off, crying, crying, crying. And we... uh, We just really had no idea. We thought he was constipated. So I, like, called an emergency room and they told us to give him a, um, a laxative, like a suppository laxative. So at four in the morning, my husband ran out and got one, but then we were like, this seems really strange. We don't think that this is the case. Um, but then we had other providers telling us, well, it takes a few days for a baby to poop sometimes after they're born, you know, cause he hadn't pooped in 48 hours. And by the way, you're going to be talking about poop all the time when you have a baby, all the time. And so for us, we just had no idea what was happening. And so we, I I decided to call a different emergency room because the doctor I had talked to, I just felt I wasn't comfortable with the advice that they had given us. And I found out that actually you're not allowed to give medical advice over the phone, um, at least for an emergency room care provider. Um, So the other people we talked to said, we're not allowed to give you advice over the phone, so why don't you just bring him in? There's nobody here, and you can bring him in. Of course, when we put him in the car seat and take him to the emergency room, he stops crying. And when I tell you these cries, like, they were traumatizing to this day when my son cries um and he's he's crying too much like I can't I really can't take it um and this I feel like this experience really triggered um so much around my mental health um and it was so hard to hear him crying the way he was crying for hours and hours and hours and not know what to do and not know how to help him. And I just knew something was wrong. I was like, there's something is not right. Something is very wrong here. And so on his third day of life, we rushed him to the emergency room and 
they the one thing that I am so grateful I did is I ordered online on Amazon like the second day he was born a breast hand pump um so it was like a Mandela hand pump where I could like crank it myself and um pump milk for him I wasn't sure because they recommend you don't start pumping until after four weeks Uh, you pump whenever the fuck you want like feed your baby like that's moral of the story feed your goddamn baby and I I am so grateful I had that because for me if I didn't have that uh Liam would not have had enough food in the emergency room um so he was not taking one of the nipples that we wanted to give him for a bottle because remember we were also feeding him some formula at this time too and so we got into the emergency room and he was he stopped crying on the way there and then he also pooped in the emergency room and we were like of course um but he still then started crying you know that horrific cry that we were hearing um again and i was like this is this is what we've been hearing for hours now something's wrong and so they did a blood test on him um, and they thought it was just because he wasn't eating enough but it turns out it was because his bilirubin count was through the roof so he had a bilirubin count of 19 and in that moment everything changed this was about six in the morning we went to the emergency room we were up all night with Liam and I was Googling pediatricians, trying to frantically find a place who would take us. Um, Nothing was open, obviously, because it was four in the morning. So we ended up going to the emergency room. And that was when everything changed, when we knew his bilirubin count was through the roof. Um, That was when they said, okay, we have to rush you to the children's hospital Um, in New York City. There's uh, the Hassenfelds Children's Hospital. And so this whole period was so traumatic for me um, because it went from I think my baby's constipated to my baby has to be admitted into the hospital now and I know people go through so much worse and that is I am so lucky that I have not had to go through anything worse than what we went through but that does not mean it wasn't traumatic and traumatizing because it was my baby's third day of life I had just given birth and now we're in an ambulance being rushed into midtown Manhattan because there's something wrong with him and he has uh, a bilirubin count that is higher and through the roof so um, that was terrifying and then on top of that we didn't know if both my husband and I could go in the ambulance with him at the same time because of COVID so we ended up getting to go in an ambulance ride together um, to the hospital with our three-day-old son, but only one person could be with him at a time in the hospital room. Um, So I went up with him, but keep in mind, I've just given birth. I packed a bag of pain meds and and I had diaper bag stuff for him but I didn't have any of my postpartum pads like my postpartum underwear we just thought okay we're gonna take him to the emergency room for constipation so luckily I brought my pain medication with me but I didn't have my postpartum pads I didn't have a peri bottle um I didn't I had a like an old pop tart (laughs) um like I had nothing with me and neither did my husband but like I literally was just wearing a 
dress and flip-flops. Um, like I was woefully unprepared for what I thought would just be, you know, them helping us get him to poop. So when I got to the hospital, um, I asked for all of those things and luckily they had them because it was a children's hospital. And so they had, you know, resources there, but I just had no idea that this is what it was going to turn into. And I had just given birth, so I was just learning how to walk again. And I remember telling the ambulance drivers, um, you know, the the EMTs, like when we were going into the hospital, can you please slow down? I just gave birth <laughs> because my pelvis hurts. You're like, you're not supposed to walk around and like walk quickly after giving birth. It's like you're supposed to walk, but you're not supposed to rush into a hospital <laughs> after giving birth. Um, and your physical activity, like you need to be cleared for exercise after six weeks. Um, so for me, like I was walking around everywhere and in pain. Um, and it was, I really had no choice because my son, you know, was being rushed into a hospital. So it was just a, it was a really traumatic experience. And again, I don't say this to, scare anyone. I'm just sharing my experience and my truth because this shaped so much of my postpartum experience. Um, my, my, um, husband, you know, for him, he had to watch his wife and son go into an elevator into the hospital and not know what was going to happen. He had to wait in the lobby and like basically talk to our families and detail what was going on and like, didn't know you know, what was happening. Luckily, everything was fine. Like jaundice is treatable. Um, but, and like, you know, he had severe jaundice and it, you know, was treatable, but it was really scary at the time. And so he, uh, Liam was admitted into the hospital and started phototherapy treatment. Luckily, we were only there for a day, which was wonderful. Um, after 24 hours, he was able to go home. Um, but I slept overnight in the hospital with him. My husband was there during the day with him. Um, but something to also note, and I feel like I said this in the last episode, like, I feel like it's just like shovels of like piles of shit on top of (laughs) one after the other. But again, I just have to be honest about my experience. Um, I started to develop edema in my right leg where I'd gotten my epidural. And if you don't know, edema is excess swelling. And the reason why that is dangerous is because you could have blood clots, really dangerous blood clots that can develop um, from edema and swelling in your leg. And part of the postpartum care plan that you're given when you leave the hospital is to watch out for swelling. Um, And if you see any swelling in your legs, make sure to notify your doctor immediately. And I remember I was talking to the pediatricians and like Liam's team when they were first talking to me about everything and I was literally crying with them because I was like, what is going on? I don't understand. And one of the doctors said, are you going to get that leg checked out? So they noticed that my leg was swollen. So I reached out to my doctor uh, and this was a completely different um, hospital network that we were going to, by the way, um, versus where I gave birth. So I gave birth at Mount Sinai and Lehman was being treated at NYU. Uh, So This, you know, having that experience was really wild because 
my doctor was in a completely different hospital, but she was so knowledgeable about everything. And she said, okay, why don't you call this department? Um, I want you to get this checked out. You need an ultrasound to make sure you don't have any clots in your legs just to be safe. And I couldn't get in to get an ultrasound. So I ended up going to the emergency room the same day that my son was in the hospital. So my poor husband, um, I then entered into the emergency room and had to get blood drawn and had to get testing and once again had to ask for more postpartum uh, supplies because I wasn't planning on ending up in the emergency room myself uh, three days after my son was born. Luckily, I had an ultrasound and I was totally fine, but obviously it was uh, really great to just have peace of mind over this because really if you develop a blood clot, um, that can be life-threatening. So it was very, very important for me to have um, an ultrasound just to make sure I was okay. So in the hospital, um, I was able to go back to the hospital at the time and I remember just sitting in the lobby with my mom or with my mom on the phone, um, because obviously my mom couldn't be here for any of this and just sobbing, like just sobbing, like what the hell is going on? Like, this is just horrible. Um, and I didn't go get food anywhere because I couldn't walk. Like I had to walk over to the emergency room. Luckily it was right there, um, next to the children's hospital. But again, I had just given birth and I really wanted to go get food. Um, but then I just kind of gave up and I was like, I just need to talk to someone. I just need to talk to my mom. So I was on the phone with my mom and then I went up and stayed with Liam throughout the night. So again, keep in mind, you need to be feeding your baby every two hours. So the team there, they were amazing. I met with multiple lactation consultants at this hospital. I have, I, I, if I ever had tons of money, like I would definitely be donating to them every single year because they were absolutely incredible with us and our family and with um, just Liam's care in general. I was waking up every two hours to feed him um, and I probably got like maybe three hours of sleep over three days and I was pumping every two hours to make sure that he had enough food. So that was my first introduction to really using a breast pump because I needed to because since he wasn't latching and since he was under phototherapy they wanted to make sure he was under the lights for as long as possible so I ended up breast pumping um regularly and I really loved it I actually still love breast pumping and I exclusively pump now um and I was able to produce colostrum and later produce breast milk so I've continued to do that um we still supplement with formula but that was my first like foray into breast pumping and it made me feel really empowered in a situation that felt so out of control and that was really important for me and um it was something that made me feel so supported I was able to bring a breast pump home with me they gave me one in the hospital their team they were just absolutely incredible and um you know, was able to nourish my child in this way, which was really, really great. Uh, I was, I have, I had to have been so annoying in the hospital though, because even when like Liam, so th what they do during phototherapy um, is they put a little like eye mask on. So it's almost like a little sleeping mask over your baby's eyes because the lights, they just don't want the lights to Babies are just sensitive to light. They just don't want that to 
harm them in any way it's not harmful for them but they had to, he just has this little sleeping mask on and so his little mask would be like falling off and I was like I don't know what to do and just now that I look back on it I'm like oh my gosh like I was just so green to parenting uh and I had no idea that Liam just wasn't as fragile as I thought he was and so that's something I also want to say like your baby's resilient and um you'll be they'll be okay (laughs) and so every single time um if you're ever in this situation i feel like it's important to share this every single time your baby poops or pees in the hospital um they need to make sure to track that so every single time liam peed i had to call a nurse to be like okay i want to change like we need to change his diaper like can you help me with this um and again like he was in the hospital so i wanted to make sure i was being extra careful they also had to draw his blood for testing to regularly test his bilirubin levels. Um, when they're drawing blood from a newborn, um, the first thing that they do is prick their feet, if you didn't know. So that's something that I didn't know. He needed to have little foot pricks, and that was really hard to watch. Um, he was luckily such a champ and totally cool about it. But when they did need to draw blood at one point, they said, you don't have to be here And I said, okay, great. (laughs) And I ended up going to get coffee. The nurses there were absolutely amazing. And by going to get coffee, I mean just down the hall for literally five minutes. So the nurses there were absolutely amazing. They fed me. They took care of me. They took care of Liam. Um, But it was really traumatic. It was a really horrible experience, um, especially because I had to be there alone with him. And um, my husband had to be there alone with him during his shift. So we were doing shifts. Uh, and my husband ended up just, you know, going home to sleep. Uh, and then next day, you know, it was also traumatic because my husband slept. Um, he, we hadn't slept in days. And so he slept for um, much longer than he had intended. He missed all of his alarms. So I actually ended up taking an Uber home because I couldn't get in touch with my husband <laughs> during that day. So that was also really really scary um so because we didn't have anybody around our neighbor um you know they didn't have extra keys and our friends didn't have extra keys and like my brother was asleep at the same time so it was just it was a really hard period of time and it really shaped my reaction to everything in the first few months of my son's life um I went through a very Uh, again people go through so much worse but it was just such an it was in rapid succession it was one thing after the other that it really did affect me um so after a week of being i'm gonna pause for this little truck that's coming down here right now (laughs) after a week of taking care of our son he had already had a hospital visit um he had a medical like he had a medical emergency um I had a medical emergency uh the, it was just traumatic and so I um developed really severe postpartum anxiety and mild postpartum depression I was crying every single day at random intervals throughout the day um and I just want to say if you have developed postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety I it is 100% normal it is also so important for you to seek care it is so hard to admit when you need care it is so so hard but when you start to care for these things the earlier the better 
Yes, they talk about baby blues within the first two weeks of your child being born. I knew that this was different. I knew that this was really severe uh, because I was afraid of taking care of my son. I was terrified of taking care of him because he had just been in the hospital. I didn't know what was going to happen when he cried. My stomach was in knots. I had severe diarrhea. Not ashamed to say that. I was crying at random intervals. I couldn't sleep. I um, had thoughts not of self-harm, but I had compulsive thoughts of what if this happened to me or what if this happened to him or what if this happened to my husband constantly. I was feeling so overwhelmed um, and I just knew something was not right. I There are people who have children and they just automatically fall into blissful, loving care. And I wish that had been my experience. I wish that was not my experience whatsoever. Um, obviously I love him and I loved him from when he came out so, so much and it was beautiful and he was, he's the best. He was absolutely wonderful, but I had thoughts of what, what did I do? Like what, you know, what did I do by bringing a child into this world? Like I grieved my old life. I was so woefully unprepared for that um, and what emotional weight came with all of this. Um, And on top of it, I was so traumatized by the fact that we had to do this all alone that my mom couldn't be here, my dad couldn't be here, my family just couldn't be around. And so I felt so incredibly lonely. Luckily, my partner is absolutely amazing and so supportive and incredible. Uh, but, the, you know, I, I want to say, like, when you are the person who's given birth and you need, you're responsible for feeding your child and, you know, there's so much that goes into your body, your, horm- your hormones are going wild. I'm taking care of my body and then I'm terrified to take care of my son. I knew something was wrong. I knew, like... This is not normal for me to be feeling like I'm absolutely terrified and don't want to take care of my son. That like my husband should be the only person who can take care of him. Because I was seeing my husband so naturally falling into taking care of him. I was not. I was terrified every step of the way. So I reached out to my care provider and I reached out to my doctor and I said that I am having really horrible feelings. I looked up signs of postpartum depression and I match so many of them. I need care. Like I know I need to talk to somebody. I don't know if that's a social worker. I just need more resources. Uh, I need something. And I'm so happy I did that. It was really hard, but I'm so happy I did that because, and my husband, you know, this went on for a few, a few days, nearly a week where he was like, okay, are you reaching out? Like, you know, I really feel like we, we need to have more assistance here. Um, because again, we didn't have a doula. We didn't have a postpartum doula. It was really just us trying to figure this out. Um, which, you know, so many other people are doing as well. And what happened is my doctor put me in touch with a social worker and that woman, Ruth was incredible. Uh, she was so kind. I told her what we had been through um, and she said that is way too much for somebody to go through when they first give birth to a child. (laughs) And I, again, I said, I know people have been through more, but she said, no, like what you're feeling is perfectly normal and these feelings are normal. 
And that was what I needed to hear. I needed to hear that this is normal and it's great that you're recognizing that these feelings are not the usual for you. Having these feelings pop up, that that's a normal occurrence when you give birth, but it is not normal to sit in them and to um, do nothing to take care of yourself because I wasn't taking care of myself and in turn that wasn't allowing me to take care of my child in to the best of my ability. So Ruth was wonderful and she referred me to a place called the Motherhood Center in Manhattan. So I was able to talk to a psychiatrist. Something I do want to also say is that Ruth did an, an initial assessment with me. So she sent me something called the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. It's the EPDS scale. And so she said, I want you to go through and answer these questions. Um, and some of the questions were, you know, in the past seven days, I've been able to laugh and see the funny side of things. And I would answer on a scale things like as much as I always could, not quite so much now, definitely not so much now or not at all. Um, and it was different, various things like that. Like I look forward to the enjoyment of things. I blame myself unnecessarily when things weren't wrong. And so I answered that survey and Ruth said that if your score is a 10 and above, that's when, you know, they really recommend let's, let's get a care plan set up and, you know, let's, let's talk about having some sort of referral for care. If, if you're a 10 and above, I scored a 30 on that scale. And so for me, I was in a really severe place <laughs> and she made sure I was set up with uh, seeing a psychiatrist right away and seeing a um, care provider right away. I reached out to my therapist and started talking to her about how I was feeling, shared with her my results on the scale. The reason I didn't initially reach out to my therapist is because I wanted to have specialized care for uh, for the postpartum period and for people who had experience in postpartum care. And I had been looking up things like this before, but then I realized like, I really need to just reach out to my doctor about this. I'm so happy I did because then I got set up with care um, at the motherhood center in New York city. So if you are experiencing symptoms of postpartum anxiety and depression, and for me, I went online and looked at what those symptoms were um, before I reached out reach out to your care providers if you can. If you're having a really hard time with doing that, I am more than happy to talk to you. I'm more than happy to encourage you to do so and to get care. If you're not sure how to start, I am more than happy to be that person to have that conversation. Because if you cannot take care of yourself, you cannot take care of your child. 100%. It's people say that and you'll be like, okay, but it's so true. You, your child deserves the best version of you. And that means in every sense of the word, from postpartum care to making sure you're physically okay, uh, to making sure you're mentally and emotionally sound, to then, you know, making sure you're going after your goals and your career and uh, being the best version of yourself. I think there is nothing wrong with getting care. And I truly believe that mothers should be given information on how to call people for postpartum uh, anxiety and depression if they're exhibiting symptoms when they're 
checked out of the hospital. That was not the case for me. I don't know if that's the case for other people. Um, they did do a, a survey after at my uh, postpartum checkup at eight weeks, but you know, there there needs to be more. There needs to be more resources for people out there. And I met with a psychiatrist and talked to her about my symptoms. And she said, you know, it sounds like you have developed postpartum anxiety. Absolutely. She said, it sounds like there is mild postpartum depression there, but postpartum anxiety, yes. And she said, you know, if you are open to taking medication, um, I would recommend a very low dosage to start of an uh, anti-anxiety slash anti-anxiety or anti-depression medication um, if you're open to it. And I had not taken any antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds beforehand, but I was really open to it. And so I have started taking anti-anxiety medication and I started in the low dosage and I'm on a medium dosage now. I am so happy I did that. So happy I did that because what that has allowed me to do is make sure that I not only prioritize my mental health and care, but prioritize my husband's mental health, my family, you know, around me, like, and then above all my child and make sure that I'm sound for raising him. And uh, something that was really important for me as well when I was on the phone um, or on the Zoom with this um, psychiatrist was that she identified a lot of um, OCD-like uh, tendencies and um, OCD-like uh, thoughts in my in that were going on around me and swirling around me, and that was incredibly helpful for me to hear, because I have had compulsive thoughts since I can remember, and I just never really knew, you know, what that was like. Um, to be totally honest and transparent, I have a huge fear around death and dying, um, and I have had panic attacks and a lot of um, conversations around that. And, uh, you know, that is, it's a crippling um, subject for me. And that was amplified to the thousandth degree when I had my son. And it was never, I did not have thoughts about harming him. I didn't have thoughts about harming myself. It was just anxiety like I just was anxious about everything around me and terrified about, about everything around me. So being on medication was so, and has been, I'm still on medication. It has been so helpful for me. Um, and I talk to that psychiatrist regularly. I'm looking for a new therapist now. My old therapist is great, but I'm just looking for somebody who kind of more specializes in different kind of care. And um, I'm trying to really take care of myself and manage uh, my mental health. I have so much more to share, um, but I think I'm going to end it there. And I definitely think I'm going to do a part two to this around like newborn care. But what I want to say um, above all is please, please, please take care of yourself and try and set up a community in the best uh, the to the best of your ability around you when you are having a child during COVID. If you can have 
your parents come and take care of your child, that is amazing. I did not have that option. I still do not have that option. My mom has moved nearby, so we'll be able to see her soon. Um, she's still going to be far away, but you know, better than freaking nothing, which is, I'm, I'm so excited for that. Um, but if you have the option to have a parent come and stay with you or take care of, help you care for yourself and help you care for your child, do that. Um, you know, trying to do it all yourself. If you don't have to, I have had to, but if you don't have to, um, I would encourage you not to try and do it all yourself in any aspect of your life, even if you're not wanting to bring a child into the world, but, or adopt a child, um, child care is really hard. And, um, you're as the person who gave birth to a child, or, um, if you're, um, supporting a person who gave birth to a child, it is really, really hard to adjust to this new period in life and having open conversations with people about their experiences. Yes, it will be scary. Yeah. You probably won't listen to what they're saying, but it's really important to go into it with educating yourself as much as possible. Um, which is why I'm totally open around sharing this because I just feel like I wish I had known more of what went into this. Um, I'm, going to do a part two on physically how I felt during my postpartum period and then newborn care. But right now I think wrapping it up around mental health and mental care, um, in my experience with bringing my son into the emergency room is going to be where I, I end things just because of time. But if you are experiencing symptoms of postpartum anxiety or depression, um, or if you have had symptoms of depression or anxiety before birth, um, I would highly recommend talking to your care providers about that and making sure you have a care plan in place beforehand. Um, you know, you might have a completely opposite experience to me where you give birth to a child and you're in pure bliss and you don't have anxiety and you feel totally confident and um, you're feeling good and you have a support system. That is all I want for you. <laughs> but if that is not the case, if you are in a situation where you are not receiving support or you're mentally not supporting yourself or physically supporting yourself the way you would have hoped, um, I am just encouraging you to set lay the groundwork before you give birth or if you have already given birth, reach out to people because you deserve that. Um, so that wraps up this particular episode on this chapter of my postpartum period. Um, there's so much more that I want to talk about. So I will do that in the next solo episode of the show. Um, and I would love to hear more about your experience. Um, again, I'm sorry if I said anything that was incorrect or, uh, might be, you know, uh, not the technical term for things, but, um, feel free to reach out to me anytime with feedback or, um, your experience in the postpartum period. I would love to hear it. And again, why aren't we teaching this in schools? Why aren't we teaching this to people all the time? Would love to talk to somebody who's, uh, all about that too. Um, all right guys, have a beautiful week and thank you for listening. Um, thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your story. Don't forget your voice matters and you matter. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day.